Well, welcome to Genesis, everybody. Thank you so much, worship team. Um, let's give a hand for the worship team. Wouldn't we appreciate them? Oh, let's do a fantastic job. <clears throat> My name is Kevin. I'm your friend. Even if we haven't met yet, we're friends. So glad that you came to Genesis tonight. You came uh, to the right place. Uh, just praying that God moves in us tonight. And it's not just about, you know, a message from Kevin, a sermon from Kevin. Uh, let's, let's just get our hearts in the right place. Let's get our minds focused. Let's ask God to do something special in us tonight, okay? Um, we're starting a new series tonight called The Tipping Point. And The Tipping Point is loosely based on a book by the same name by an author named Mal- uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And uh, he says, he describes The Tipping Point as that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. Just as a single sick person can start an epidemic of the flu, so too can a small but precisely targeted push cause a fashion trend, the popularity of a new product, or a drop in the crime rate. So the tipping point is you might have, have been to a, a water park in the past. Have you ever been to a water park where they have one of those big buckets that's like really up high and it's got this pipe and this water is like pouring into it and this bucket is like on these hinges and it's kind of teetering back and forth and as the bucket gets full of water, eventually it just, the gravity takes over and it tips over and all the little kids are like waiting under the bucket just to get drenched with water. Anybody ever seen that before? Anybody ever got under the bucket before? That's fun, right? Uh, so that's kind of a tipping point. It's that, that, that moment when a, a trend catches on. And the reason that we're going to be going in, into this series in October is that we are, we are praying and we are asking God for a move of the Holy Spirit. We're asking God for a revival, if you want to call it that. We're asking God to move in amazing ways, for people to be saved, people to be set free, for miracles to happen, for people to be healed, for people to have a breakthrough. And this happens through prayer, but it also happens when believers take action. And we're going to be looking at stories from the book of Acts throughout this series in October, The Tipping Point. And I want to start in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 32, and it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. That's pretty incredible what was happening in the early church, that people were selling houses, selling lands, they're bringing the money, and they're just putting it in a big pile, and like, whoever needs it, we can just distribute it as each one has need. They all uh, they had everything in common, like they were together. They were uh, they were unified. They were of one heart, one soul, following one Savior, 
And they were just so unified that miracles are happening. Like there's, there's great grace. There's great power. There's a people that are adding to the church every single day. People are getting saved. Um, miracles are happening. People are getting healed. Like that is the tipping point. That's what you, that's what you see take place in the book of Acts. And that's what we want to see, right? Like I'm serious. Like that is what we want to experience here. We are not here just to play church. We're not here like, oh, okay, we got some young adults. Let's entertain them. Uh, let's, you know, we'll pray. We'll do some songs. We'll read some scripture or whatever. Like, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm really interested in a move of God. I'm really interested in people that are coming straight out of the darkness and just, boom, right into the light. People getting saved, That people that, that you would think that is the least likely person to ever go to God, least likely person ever to go to church or talk about God, I want to see those people in here. I want to see you guys being used by God in great ways. And so um, how, how, what, how do we do that? Like, how do we start? Where, how, do we, how do we go about that? Well, maybe if we lived like the believers lived in the book of Acts, we would experience some of the things that they experienced. Okay? That was a tipping point. Jesus was being spread, and it couldn't be stopped. People were passionate. People were on fire for the Lord. People were bold. Sometimes we struggle with boldness, right? Like, man, I want to I be used by God. I want to do something for God. I feel like God is pulling me to, to, do, to do something, get out of my comfort zone and to, to help people and uh, I'm not sure what it is, but every time I, I get a chance to maybe you know, minister to somebody, maybe just say an encouraging word, this fear comes. Anybody ever feel like that? Even the disciples felt like that. And what did they do? They prayed. They prayed for boldness. That's what they did. And the, while they were praying for boldness, the place, the room that they were in began to shake and they just began to get filled with the power of God. And they had this supernatural boldness. And so I believe that God is going to use the people in this room to do some pretty incredible things. I believe that God is going to use us to reach people. And it's not just about the guy with the microphone or the band that's up on the stage. It's about everybody, because that's what we read in Acts chapter 4. Everybody coming together in one mind together, unified, following Jesus. They had all things in common. They're even sharing you know, their, their money. I'm not asking you guys to do that. But <clears throat> these guys were going to extreme levels because they were, they were spreading the gospel. They were spreading good news. It was so good to them that they had to spread it. They could not keep it to themselves. And I believe that that is what God is asking us to do. Like, we have such a good thing. We have Jesus. We can't keep him to ourselves. So there's got to be a tipping point. In the book, The Tipping Point, uh, the author, he lists six psychological principles of influence. And so in other words, these are six principles that they send signals to our brain and they influence us to uh, buy a certain product, uh, to, um, to join a certain movement or join a certain cause. And there's these six psychological principles. I won't go through all of them. You can buy the book. You can read it. But uh, one is scarcity, okay? We value things that are scarce, and we want to get our hands on those. Think about like a Michael Jordan rookie card. That's something that's very rare, 
and something very valuable, we would like to get our, our hands on something like that. And so whenever there's something that's scarce, like, oh, there's not, i, I got to get the, the first iPhone because, you know, they're going to they're gonna run out. You know, like, I don't want to be like weeks on the waiting list. It's scarce. I want to get it right now. Uh, another thing is majority. When we see, like, everybody out buying a certain product, like, we want one too. Like, we don't need a fidget spinner. But when we see everybody with fidget spinner, you start thinking, hey, I kind of like to have one of those. Everybody else has got one. I like to, you know, spin it and fidget with it. You know, we don't need a, that, that's what happened last year. And everybody has like these fidget spinners laying around now. Like nobody cares about them. I bought my kids fidget spinners. They care nothing about them. They loved them last year. This year, it's like, it's junk. It's trash. All right. Uh, a, third, a third thing is authority. When we see someone who is a leading authority, uh, people jump on the bandwagon. A few years ago, you could not find any fans of the Golden State Warriors. You couldn't find them. They didn't exist. They were like unicorns if you saw a fan of the Golden State Warriors, but they win a championship, and people jump on the bandwagon. Am I right? And so they're like a leading authority. They're like leading the way. Like, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been, oh man, I've been, a, I've been a fan for Golden State Warriors for weeks. I love them. Always love them. <clears throat> But the, the principle that I want to focus on tonight from the book is beauty. Beauty. We may not like it, but the author says we have an automatic reflex to think good-looking people make good choices. And so associate your product with the choices of beautiful people. So um, I think a home telecom is, they think like this is a really good strategy for them because I don't know if you've seen these home telecom billboards around town, but all it is is a picture of a model, a man or a woman, and then it just says home telecom. And that's like, that's it, you know? And it's just this person doing blue steel up on the, the billboard, just trying to, just looking good. But I think they're, they probably read this book, like, okay, beautiful people influence us to, uh, to, buy, to buy things. Well, um, what would you say if I asked you who is the most beautiful person in this room? And don't, don't answer it out loud. Don't, like, don't say it out loud. Don't point to people. Trenton, don't point to people. Don't point to yourself. Uh, <clears throat> before you think about that too much, like who's the most beautiful person in the room, uh, just remember that God looks at beauty differently than we do. And when you hear about that question, who's the most beautiful person in this room, immediately we think who is outwardly beautiful, but see, that's a human way of thinking. That's a very uh, fleshly way of thinking, but God thinks differently. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the more time we spend with him, the more we begin to think like him. But he looks at beauty differently, and last week I was telling couple stories about two kings from the Old Testament, Saul and David. And David, as a young man, uh, there was a prophet named Samuel that was sent to David's house. And God God tells this prophet, Samuel, you're going to anoint the next king of Israel when you go to the house of Jesse, who was David's father. And so Samuel shows up in the house and, well, send send me the, the oldest son. And so Jesse go gets his oldest son, and his oldest son comes in, and he's big, and he's strong, and he, he's a soldier, and 
Um, he's the oldest one, the most mature one. He's probably a leader, and uh, as the oldest son, he has, he has, he has, he's the, the heir to his dad. And, uh, and, but God says, this isn't the guy. And so Samuel says, well, uh, send me the next son. So the next oldest son comes in. God says, it's not the one. And the next son comes in, and the same thing. And finally, Jesse is like, I'm out of sons. And Samuel's like, are you kidding me? You sure that there's not one more? And he kind of just forgets about him for a second. Oh, wait a second. I've got one more son. It wasn't even invited to the party. Wasn't even invited to come hang out with the prophet. This is a big thing. A prophet comes to your house. It's a big deal. David wasn't even invited. He was out with the sheep. He's a shepherd. He's out there with the sheep, probably playing his heart, probably worshiping God. That's who he was. And Jesse kind of forgot it. Okay, yeah, let me go get David. And when David walks in, God speaks to Samuel. And he says, Samuel, don't be, don't focus on the outward appearance. He says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So who's the most beautiful person in the room? Well, I guess only God knows because he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so this principle of, of beauty, they say that a, a beautiful person will influence you to, to join a movement, to join a cause, or even to, to buy a product. Well, I think in the kingdom of God, a person who is inwardly beautiful, a person who lives in a beautiful way, they can influence you in a godly way. And in fact, a beautiful, godly person can influence a community and influence a uh, uh, a city, maybe a state, maybe a nation, maybe even the world. It's happened before. God is, this Bible is full of stories where God uses beautiful, godly people, people who, who love God, people who live out their faith. He uses these people to change history. Think about the water bucket again. That water bucket is getting full. It's, it's getting filled up. Water is pouring in. And I feel like here at Genesis, we've been in that phase for a while. Like we've been in a phase where there is, there's water that's being poured in, but we need a tipping point. We need there to be an outlet. We need to spill over onto the people that are outside of these walls, that are in our schools, that are in our neighborhoods, that are in our communities. I believe that God is, is calling us to not just be people who are about, you know, us for and no more. That, that we are about the world. That we care about the lost. And I think somebody who cares about the lost, that is a, a beautiful person. And so, uh, you think about water. If uh, a body of water, if a body of water has uh, an intake but it has no outlet, you know, that body of water can get really stagnant. It can get really gross and, and just mossy, and it, there could be disease. And Anybody ever drive by uh, Tanger Outlet Mall, and there's like this pond over on the side as you drive in? It is like the most disgusting-looking pond. It's just like this little pond, like no moving water, and it's just like covered in moss. It's like bright green. And it looks like it's just completely still, you know, and it looks disgusting. And it looks, it almost looks like 
it's not water. And I would drive by it, and I was with my daughters, and I was like, look at that, that's water. They're like, no, it's not. I was like, yeah, that's water, look at it. And, you know, they, they could finally tell, they're like, ew, that's disgusting. Well, we can't be that type of body of water. There's, there's, there's pour in, but there's got to be pour out. There's intake. I don't know about you, I'm getting a lot of pour in. There's a lot of people pouring into me. My pastor pours into me. You guys pour into me. My friends uh, pour into me. The people I work with pour into me. My wife pours into me. But I need more outpour. I need more outlet. I need to start doing more with what I've been given because that's what that's being faithful with what God has given us. Um, we've all seen the news coming out of Las Vegas. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's sickening. And so you don't need anybody to tell you um, how dark the world is right now. But as the darkness keeps getting darker and darker and darker, the light gets brighter. And when we go into a dark place, even if we have just a little bit of light, we shine that light, and it's bright. It's brightest when it's the darkest, when it's in the darkest room. So uh, what we need, you know, uh, we've, got, we're, we've got heaven in us because the Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. So each of us, as followers of Christ, we've got heaven in us. And it's time for us to share that. Jesus said, freely you have received, so freely give. We need to be givers. We need to freely give, not holding back, not being, you know, pushed and pushed and pushed to give. Freely we've received, freely give. In John chapter 13, Jesus says something that's really, really powerful. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How simple is that? This is Jesus. Like He has, says some of the most profound things, but how simple is this? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That is how people are going to know that we belong to him. That's how people know that we're believers, that we're Christians. That is the tipping point. It's love. By, by the, the, the love that we have for each other. By how we treat one another. How do we treat one another? Are we treating each other? Are we loving people like Jesus loves us? Because he says that. You know, just as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. We need to love each other like Jesus loves us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us with a powerful, sacrificial love. And so he's saying, that's the same kind of way you need to treat each other. And when we do that, that is what creates a tipping point. That's what makes us beautiful. That's what influences people to, to become a follower of Jesus. Because when you love, you're beautiful, and people want to join that. People, they see that in you, like, I want to be a part of that. I, don't, I see what this person has, and I want some of that. That's what creates a tipping point. So we don't need to pack out a stadium for a huge event, although that would be great. Uh, we, don't need to, we don't need everybody to buy a certain product. All we need to do is be beautiful in the way that God has called us to be beautiful. The world is going to know we belong to him 
by our love for one another. So how do we start? Where do we start? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I love that description of Jesus. May that be the description of us. May that be the description of Genesis. May that be the description of Dylan and Hunter and Mitch and John. May that be our description, that we go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed by the devil. I don't know if I can heal anybody. Well, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same power lives in you. And when you've got Jesus, you've got enough. When you've got Jesus, all things are possible. And so, can we do that? Can we do that? Can we go about doing good? This is what I'm talking about. More outpouring, more outlet, more giving. You know, we've been receiving, more giving. Jesus said, it's better to give than it is to receive. And so many times we're selfishly focused on receiving. Oh man, I want to receive. I need some me time. I just need to get filled up. I just, I just, you know, I, I need to get some more. I need to get some more teaching. I need to get some more clothes. I need to get some more money. I need to get some more friends. I need to get in a better situation. I need to get a better job. I need to receive more. It's better to give than it is to receive. Maybe the answers that we're looking for is not in receiving more. Maybe the answers that we're looking for is about giving more. And so I think it's time. Can we go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil? Um, it's not just physical healing. You know, it's, it's emotional healing. It's uh, when somebody doesn't have a friend, that's, that's kind of like a wound, and if you can be a friend to somebody that doesn't have a friend, then you just provided a healing to somebody. If you could provide um, a little bit of encouragement to somebody who's discouraged, then you could provide some healing. You could go about doing good and healing people who are oppressed from, by the devil. Who are people oppressed by the devil? A lot of people. It ain't hard to find them, okay? They're everywhere. A while back, I was with a group of guys, a couple of interns, and... Uh, we were going door to door at this place that we, we ministered to a lot. We got to know people in this apartment complex. And, and, and so one day we said, well, let's just go out door to door and let's talk to some of the people we know, some of the people that we don't know. And uh, let's see if people have any needs and if we can pray for people. And, and uh, I was the leader of this internship group. And so uh, I had a couple of guys with me and I was like, you know what? This is your time. Like, go and get them. Like, you guys can do this. You know, knock on a door and say, Hey, you know, my name is Ben, and uh, I'd like to pray for you if you, have any, if you have any needs. And it's just that simple. It's just that simple. Oh, I could never do that. You can absolutely do that. You know, it only takes like three seconds of courage, right? You just do it, and you see what happens. And sometimes people just slam the door in your face. Sometimes people are like, heck no, you know, just they're gone. They're gone. Sometimes people are, are nice. They're like, oh, I don't really have anything. I'm fine. I'm good, you know. Uh, and, and so this went on, and these guys were doing it, and they were doing great, and, uh, and they finally they're like, okay, we want to see you do it. Like, they were tired of me 
you know, kind of like being in the back and just watching. They're like, oh, let's, let's see what you got, you know, like you're the leader. Let's see, let's see how, how you could do it. And so I'm thinking, great, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, this is going to be one of the times where people, you know, they just slam the door in your face or they just make fun of you or something like that. And here I am, the leader, and, and you know, it's, this is going to happen. But when I knock on the door and this lady comes to the door and I say, how are you doing? How was your day? And uh, <clears throat> she, you know, just says kind of the normal thing that you would say, oh, doing well. And um, I asked her if she needed any prayer. No, I don't need any prayer. You know, I'm, I'm good. And I just felt kind of in my spirit, just felt like she was one of those people who was oppressed by the devil. Like she's just, you know, uh, just the world has been pushing her down. And just felt like she had had some defeats and was just at a, at a low spot. And so I just kind of felt like maybe the Holy Spirit was just whispering to me, tell her this. And so what I told her, I said, hey, I just want you to know that God has not forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at and you're valuable to him. And this woman just like broke down into tears, you know, and, and I, I just put my arm around her and the, the other guys came around and we prayed for this lady and, you know, God really touched her. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't me, but, you know, it was, it was God that touched her. But uh, it was kind of cool because after it, I was like, ha, 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 you know. They, and they were like, that was amazing. How did you do that? And, I, I, you know, I didn't tell them. I didn't really do anything. But, but God showed up. And God ministered to this lady. And it, it doesn't always, I didn't tell them, it does not always happen like that, right? Like sometimes you just get straight up rejected. And that, that's maybe, that, that happens maybe, I don't know, one out of 50 times, right? But isn't it awesome, even if it's one out of 50? Like, isn't it worth it to get your, the door slammed in your face, to be laughed at or criticized or ridiculed? It's worth it. So when I, when I look at Genesis, the Genesis that I see is a, is a community of people that we, we love one another, and people who are out in the community, they see the way that we love one another. The, the fa- your families see the way that you love the other people that you're in community with here. I want your other friends, the, you know, the friends that don't come here, I want them to see the way that you love these people, and the, the way that you love them, and the way that you're loved. I want us to care about each other, to reach out for each other. That's the genesis that I see. The genesis that I see is a, is a place where we come and we, we get into the word of God and we pray and we worship, but there's, there's all that intake, but there's, there's an outlet too. Where we get a chance to go out and pour out. We get a chance to go out and serve. That's the genesis that I see, that we are believers that take action, that we do stuff, that we do cool stuff together, that we go and we encourage people. And we go and we tell people about Jesus. The genesis that I see is one that we're, we're spreading the gospel. We're spreading good news at our school, at, uh, in our neighborhoods, to our, to our neighbors. We're encouraging people who are discouraged. We are friends to people who don't have any other friends. That we love people that the world would consider unlovable. That we reach out to people that everybody else is ignoring. I see us serving some single moms out there. 
I see us serving maybe some single dads, maybe some moms that are uh, in a military family and their husbands are deployed. I see us going and serving there. I see us going to North Charleston, go to the North Charleston Dream Center and uh, people in that community who need something, need our help, that we can do something, that we can fix a screen door, that we can rake some leaves and just in, in these little ways show some love. I see us getting out of Charleston and, and traveling. I see us going groups of five, groups of 10, groups of 20, and just going and being used by God. I see us going to Africa. I see some people going and some people staying and praying. I see some people going to Guatemala. I see some people that are going to be used by God in great ways. That's, that's what I see. And I believe that we're on the verge of a tipping point. So let me close with this. What are, what are our next steps? What steps can we take from here? Number one, start with little yeses. Corey spoke this on, on Sunday morning, and I totally stole it from him because I, I, I just loved it. Just say these little yeses to God. Because God, I believe, is whispering to us these little things, these little things to do. Hey, go just smile to that person. Go and pick up that piece of trash. Go and just tell your professor that you're grateful. Go and sit by that person that nobody else is sitting with. Just these little yeses. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Sometimes he's just telling you to be friendly. But when you say these little yeses, God gives you bigger opportunities. The opportunities keep growing. We all have these dreams that we're going to be used by God. We all have these big things. But big things, they don't just come out of nowhere. They come from a bunch of little yeses. And when we're faithful with those, God will entrust us with more. So start with some little yeses. What has God been leading you to do? Number two, stop and think about somebody. So many times we're just thinking about ourselves. But if we would just Take, be conscious and just stop and think about somebody. Who is somebody that I know could be struggling right now? Who is somebody that could use a little help? Stop and think about somebody. And it's amazing the ideas that God is going to give you when you think about others. God is going to drop really cool ideas in your mind and in your heart, and he's going to give you a chance to be beautiful. Stop. Think about somebody else. And the last one, look for hurting people and then listen to them. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And you can start, like, how, how could I help them? What could I do? How, I don't know if I could heal them. I don't know if I could do anything. Well, start with just listening. Just listen to them. What's your story? That's a great question to ask. Hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, you want to get coffee? Tell me about your life. And just listen. And when you hear how they're hurting, God is going to show you how you can help. But if you probably won't be led in any particular direction until you listen to them, until you hear what's going on in their life. How will you know? You'll just know. So if you guys would bow your heads, and I just want to close in prayer, and then we're going to have uh, a little table talk tonight. So, Father, thank you so much for what you're doing at Genesis. I really believe that you're going to move in incredible ways, that 
Uh, the best is yet to come for us, and it's not about us becoming famous or getting any some kind of recognition. Really, it's about making you famous. And I pray that, that you would use this small group of people to make an impact. Because, God, I know that we're going to be held accountable for our actions. And I don't want to be the guy that was spent all his time around other believers. Even though I, I love these guys a lot, I know that you've called us to do more. And so I pray that you would put it on our hearts. And just even right now, just put somebody on our hearts, somebody that we could reach out to tomorrow or maybe even tonight. I pray that we could stop thinking about ourselves so much, but that we could be like John the Baptist and say, God must increase and we must decrease. Help us with that, Lord. We need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.